Good news. My new book is finally here. It's called Handbook for the Heartbroken, A Woman's Path from Devastation to Rebirth, and you can order it now wherever books are sold. I wrote this book after the five-year span between 2016 and 2020 when I experienced serial heartbreaks that rocked literally every area of my life, my health, relationships, money, career, social status, and even my very sense of self. And along the way, I really got to experience firsthand how dysfunctional our culture's relationship is to loss. I saw how we live in a heartbreak illiterate world that's obsessed with success and shackled with isolation and ignorant of how valuable our suffering can be for our growth and our evolution not only as individuals, but also as a collective. So this book expands the conversation around loss beyond just breakups and bereavement, although we definitely cover those too, in order to include falls from grace of all kinds, personal, professional, and collective. So whether you're experiencing hardship now, or know you have past hurts that are holding you back in certain ways and still need healing, this book is here to support you. It's also a great book to gift to clients, family members, friends, just other women in your world who are going through a challenging time. It will show you that it's only through fully turning toward your heartbreak with support, courage, and compassion that you can heal. So within the loving pages of this book, you will have full permission to fall apart and slowly, organically find your way back to greater wholeness. I'm truly excited to share this with you. It was not a joy to live this journey, but it really was a joy to write it. And you can find it again, wherever books are sold and the audio version of the book is available as well. If you would like some gifts to accompany you on your heartbreak journey, you can get those at handbookfortheheartbroken.com. Those are free. Whenever you order books, you can just send in your invoice or your receipt and we'll send you those accompanying gifts. Enjoy. Hello, sisters. Welcome to She Talks. I'm Sarah Avant Stover, a yoga and meditation teacher, best selling author, and founder of The Way the Happy Woman. I'm so happy to share that my brand new book, The Book of She, Your Heroine's Journey into the Heart of Feminine Power, is now available wherever books are sold and at thebookofshe.com. To celebrate her arrival throughout the months of October and November, I'll be featuring a special series called She Stories where we hear the heroine's journeys of 14 inspiring female leaders. I'm so happy you're here, and I hope you enjoy today's interview. Hello, beautiful women, and welcome home. Welcome to She Talks. And today I am speaking with Elisa Viti, and she is the author of Woman Code, a really wonderful roadmap to our our hormones, our cycles as women. She's an integrative nutritionist, a hormone expert, and founder of flowliving.com, which is the first virtual hormone health center for women between the ages of 25 and 45. And I highly recommend after this interview going to, to check out flowliving.com. It's a really innovative and very practical and much needed resource for 
for us women around our cycles, um, our nutrition, our hormones, fertility. So welcome, Elisa. It's really, really great to have you here. Oh, thanks, Sarah. It's so lovely to be here and talking about the Book of She and the heroine's journey. I'm really excited. And you and I were speaking before we went live here that there's such a great synergy between the work that we both do in that you focus a lot on the physical, biological dimensions of our cycles and our hormones. And I, especially in this book, focus on more of the, the psycho-spiritual dimensions. And really, we need, we need both to, to navigate this, this whole cornerstone of our womanhood. Yeah, it's so true. I mean, our bodies are a container for our soul, right? So, and all of the feelings and emotions we have, they're so interconnected to how our cycles perform. You know, I see it so often in my practice, women have their period stop, for example, because there's an aspect of their creativity that they're not expressing, or there's some stuck emotion around relationship to father or mother that just hasn't been healed. And so um, it's wonderful to have a process um, laid out like you have in the book of she that can really take you through, um, you know, getting from that place of being stuck emotionally or psycho-spiritually and really moving that through your energetic matrix, but also to clear a channel through the body so that your body can start to perform the way it's meant to. And I just think these things are so interconnected. Um, We can't have true healing without both of these pieces being integrated. So really, really important. Yeah, I fully agree. And I'm excited to dive into this more and to begin, we always start our women's gatherings here at The Way of the Happy Woman with a personal check-in. So I love for us both just to get a little bit more comfortable and for you to let us know where you're calling in from today and and how you're doing in your body, mind, and heart. Mm. I'm calling in from my home in New York. And... It's a, it's a cool, cloudy day here in the city, and I'm doing well. Actually, my, my daughter, who is um, just about 10 months, actually slept a little bit better last night, so that means I got extra sleep, and so I'm feeling fantastic <laughs> today as a result after a couple of weeks of maybe not getting enough sleep and having that really, um, you know, it's just a, it just wears on your positive outlook when you're chronically sleep-deprived, so getting getting three or four hours in a row now is like um i don't know it has a a quality of being high to it you know you have so much energy (laughs) so i'm feeling particularly good um and uh yeah just very very grateful that everybody's happy and healthy Mm. so let's dive right in and before we explore the heroine's journey, we have to, I think, look at the hero's journey, which is this narrative of becoming that has been so popular around the world and in mainstream media. How has it been for you as a woman growing up alongside the hero's journey? Did you relate to this as a narrative that could also apply for your life or 
or not? You know, I I don't think that I had a lot of consciousness around the hero's journey when I was very young. Um, I think I was fed a lot of the sort of fairy tale archetypes, you know, reading all of that kind of literature of, you know, I don't know, Red Riding Hood and Sleeping Beauty, and there was all of this kind of distorted feminine archetypes that I kind of had passed over. Um, and when I did start to tap into it, it was through the likes of people like Tony Robbins and sort of these motivational, um, you know, very masculine, business-oriented types. And so it was this sense of, um, you know, success through overcoming your body as a, as a limiting factor, you know, it's kind of like this, um, yeah, subduing the body in order to do that. And even uh, throughout my journey, which, you know, from a young age, I always had this um, deeply sense that somehow the spiritual path that I found myself in was not quite right. For example, I was the kid in Catholic school who kept asking why there were no female priests. And then I would write prayers to, um, you know, we'd have to submit these weekly prayers to the, <laughs> to the, the head mistress or whatever. And, uh, and I would always write prayers to Mary or Mary Magdalene. And I would get called into the principal's office all mm. the time. Like, what are you doing? And I was like, what do you mean? <laughs> you know, why can't I write a prayer to these ladies? What's wrong with that? You know, at six or seven. And, um, but I will say in one amazing coup, I got to read one of these prayers to Mary. They let me finally do it because I kind of was a dog with a bone at that point. I was like, you know, just on the principle of it at like seven, <laughs> somebody should read a prayer to Mary. So that felt like a like an achievement. Um, but, you know, I, I think it, this whole construct of the hero's journey came my understanding much later when I started encountering Joseph Campbell's work and really looking at that um, and seeing how that might apply to my life. But I think the big takeaway that that happened for me, which I think is so common that you described in the book as well, that I know you personally went through, is that there was some sort of unconscious um, sense that in order for me to make it through the hero's journey or succeed in this world that I needed to disconnect from anything that was remotely feminine about me, which is pretty hard to do when you're a girl, <laughs> but that, that, impossible. that it was, it's impossible, <laughs> but the, 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 the intensity of the, the belief I think had pretty powerful physical ramifications yes. for me. So at a young age, that, that really strong sense of disconnecting, of believing that my body was a liability, that, that, it, that being a woman was somehow going to prevent me from achieving my dreams and my uh, coming out of my hero's journey, a hero, um, that I um, manifested polycystic ovarian syndrome, which at its core is a disconnect between the brain and the ovary, right? So how, how perfect of, a, of an example of how your masculine, egoic orientation and your embodied feminine, you know, can just stop communicating and cause a breakdown on a physical level. Um, so there I was. 
uh, in the midst of this physical breakdown. So for and, women for women who aren't familiar with polycystic ovarian syndrome, can you just explain briefly what that is? It's, it's a breakdown in the conversation, the hormonal conversation between the pituitary gland in the brain and the ovary. So you don't ovulate, you don't build up a uterine lining, and therefore you don't menstruate. And, and that's just what's functionally not happening from an endocrine system standpoint. But then physically from a symptom presentation standpoint, you'll have things like obesity, hair loss, hair growth in unwanted places, acne, anxiety, depression, fatigue. I mean, it was it was definitely um, a stressful experience to go through. And often, um, women will go undiagnosed for several years before before these things get properly put into place. Um, How old were you so, when it, when you were diagnosed? I was 20 when I received my diagnosis, and I, you know, I described in my book, Woman Code, the moment that that happened. I mean, this is after seven years of, of yeah. looking for an answer and seeking out the best medical, um, you know, meetings that I could. And it was while I was a student at Johns Hopkins University, ironically, on my way to becoming an OBGYN, that mm -hmm. was my original intention. Um, and I was in the medical library one night when I couldn't sleep, which was pretty common. And I found an article on this condition, PCOS, and it just, it was every symptom, it was me. It was a bell ringing moment. And I, you know, grabbed this, this journal and brought it over to my GYN the next morning and insisted that we do the test that she had not yet done. And when I got the diagnosis, I thought, great, now we know what this is, so now what do we do? And she gave me the bad news, which was, you know, that my prognosis would be obesity, um, increased likelihood of diabetes, heart disease, cancer, that I would not likely get pregnant ever and maybe not, definitely not on my own naturally and maybe, you know, hopefully with, you know, assisted reproductive technology. And that, I, you know, that there was nothing to be done um, but that there would be certain medications that we could use along the way to try to, you know, minimize some of the symptoms of, of this prognosis. And I was 20 when I heard this. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's your whole picture of just kind of not going in a direction that feels, I mean, <laughs> it's hard to put into words what that felt like. Yeah. But it certainly, it certainly was a moment where my body spoke to me really loud and clear. And it just told me very plainly, very calmly that that was not my future. And it was the first time that I really heard her speak like that. And so, of course, I took notice and couldn't help but repeat the words to the doctor. And I walked out of the office without mm -hmm. any medication, without following the normal course of action, without a plan. Yeah. <laughs> also important to note, just completely uh, committed to trusting that voice like that that didn't even there was no lag time it wasn't like I heard it and then I had to make a decision about should I follow that voice it was it was um simultaneous keep the hearing of it and the, the trusting so so yeah that was the beginning for me I think of my um well that was part of the heroine's journey I think the beginning had earlier earlier beginnings as we know but um that was a that was definitely a key inflection point was uh, 
for sure. It was a shift off of that path of a really striving like a man. Yeah, I mean, you know. Unconsciously, of course, we didn't know that that's what we were doing, but. Right. It was the beginning of of finding my way back into an embodied relationship with my feminine nature. Yeah. And it was through the vehicle of my, um, you know, uniquely female problem, right? You could only have PCOS if you have ovaries. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, that this, um, that this all kind of came to a head for me. And, and being someone who, although I was deeply spiritual as a child and had many, um, you know, many moments of um, connection with divine source spontaneously as a child um, in nature, I I felt um, by the time I reached high school that there was this turning away, even from my own creative pursuits. You know, I was very much into music and dance and art as a young person. And by high school, I had sort of, again, made this decision about um, I had to abandon those things to to get, to, to, to take care of myself, to be safe in the world. And so I think... For me, this whole journey is such a is a return to you know finding an integration with all of those aspects of myself and um, to really tapping into the forces of nature that govern my body, govern the planet, govern the cosmos, and and realize that it's all interconnected and flowing through me. So, um, yeah, an amazing opportunity. I, I always say I can't imagine a life that I would have without my body leading the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah certainly in that experience that was that was the beginning of many many moments yeah our stories are really similar as I at age 20 I had advanced cervical dysplasia Mm. and my doctor said you know I said what can I do to heal and he said nothing right and I I got up and put my pants on I got up and I walked out of the office Mm. and I knew that there was another way I think I think somewhere I think somewhere in all of us as women, we we know that there's another way. I mean, I I fully subscribe to the collective unconscious, and I think for women we have such a rich history, though we don't know it, though we're not taught it, of women as healers yeah. of our own, you know, unique female um, medicine, um, you know, the lineage of of, of women self-care practices because, you know, one of the things that I came to in the study of functional medicine and the basis of the protocol that we use at Full Living is that, you know, women's health issues from a hormonal standpoint are very different than, let's say, the way Western medicine will treat something because Western medicine will treat a disease like, okay, this is a one-time event. And it needs to be treated with, you know, sort of in a triage, emergency trauma-like fashion. You know, pile on the meds, do procedures, testing. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a whole crisis. But with women's health, our body is in continuous change, expansion, transformation. It's an ongoing process. So. Um, fluctuations in how our body is performing are par for the course. And 
are required, we have to learn how to um, course correct along the way because it requires a lifetime of maintenance, care, modulation, you know, always a slightly different approach to optimize how you're functioning. And that's, I think we all know that in a very core intuitive way, but we've forgotten how to do it, why we should be doing it, and certainly we're not, we're not given um, a roadmap on what that actually looks like, what those practices look like. So certainly that's what I endeavor to do it for a living because it was a, a life-changing experience not just to get that diagnosis, but then to be able to create for my body uh, a complete transformation. I mean, I was over 200 pounds. I was covered in cystic acne everywhere. I was not menstruating. I was, it was, I was a mess. I was frightened. I was, I felt completely alone and there wasn't the internet <laughs> to, you know, this was 17 years ago. There was not like, I could not WebMD anything. There were no. not a bazillion articles. It was just bad news. Um, the few articles that were out on the nascent internet, there wasn't much, and it was all it was all scary. Um, and still, I had to trust that voice and to watch my body um, through the research that I ended up doing and and putting this protocol together. To watch my body, you know, unfurl <laughs> its its potential, you know. Um, to restore itself it was really breathtaking experience. It's still I still catch my breath when I work with clients and they get their periods back or they, you know, the cramps that have them doubled over, throwing up in the shower, taking days off from work, go away, when they can have babies after years of trying and failing. I mean, these things are miraculous things that your body wants to do for you. Um, but, of course, you have to help her um, by doing some things for her. And... And it certainly changed the course of my life and my career and, um, and my appreciation for, um, for the feminine. You know, the, there is a, this, these forces that govern our cycle um, are the most powerful forces in nature, this cyclical energy. I mean, it's what the Industrial Revolution was built on, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, harnessing that cyclical technology is what built this nation and we have it inside of us. So to create anything in your life, um, and this is the good stuff that I feel like one can get to as a woman once you reconnect with and rebalance um, your hormonal nature, um, is that you can, it's, it's the creation matrix. It is, it is actually specifically the four parts of the creation matrix. So it's really an extraordinary opportunity to be much more powerful and effective with less stress on your body. Um, and that's a really cool thing. And that's how I do everything and how I get all this stuff done and how I run a business and take care of women in 216 countries and write books and speak and serve on advisory boards for health startups and have a husband and a child and take care of myself all the time. It's, I, I, I leverage the cyclical transformation in my brain and my body chemistry for my benefit. And um, it's, a, it's, a, it's an amazing gift. So you, can you share a little bit about what is the process at Flow Living? You know, what are these four stages of the creative cycle that you're speaking of, which um, are also 
you know, the different stages of the heroine's journey? Well, I mean, you know, the, so let's break down the cycle into four phases, right? And so the first phase of the cycle is, um, the, you know, after the, the bleeding has ended, we move back into um, the follicular phase. And this is where we set our intentions. Right. This is the intention setting part, the beginning, the planning, the deciding what it is that you desire by following what feels good in your body. Right. So um, this is the very beginning of manifesting anything. Right. Um, the second phase in the ovulatory phase where the hormones light up um, your verbal centers of the brain, this is where you want to speak out loud that which it is you want to create, whatever that is, and do it with other people um, because you're also more social at this time naturally. So, you know, that, of course, will start to magnetize serendipitous opportunities to you that help facilitate uh, the manifestation of your intended desire. Then the third phase, the luteal phase, um, with the influx of high levels of progesterone, this um, helps you bring things to completion and this is the phase of your you know, creation matrix that is about um, taking action to to embody the uh, psycho-spiritual part of the first half of the cycle that you have this vision then you speak about it well now you're putting your feet one in front of the other and your body in motion around that etheric energy that you are harnessing and then the, the final stage the, the menses itself uh, this is a time where the both sides of the brain uh, the hemispheres of the brain are, are most in communication so it's an opportunity for you to receive information um, and evaluate um, where you might want to go next so it's the completion process of, of manifesting because we're, we're always manifesting. You know, we as women, we're, we're just naturally good at desiring and envisioning because we are creators. So, you know, it's a good thing that we have a 30-day cycle <laughs> because just when you're done with deciding what it is you desire a month before, you're, the next month is on you and you want something new. And so you get to really be... Um, if you tap into this energy and really stay present to your cycle and, and optimize its performance, you really get to be creating all the time. I mean, I always laugh when it's New Year's Eve and people get all excited about their resolutions. I'm like, oh my God, I don't need, I don't, you don't need to do that if you're a woman. You every you month. Get to do it every month. <laughs> so you get to do it at least a dozen times a year. And I don't know about you, but I am always changing my mind. And so it's mm -hmm. nice to have that reset monthly. Um, and that opportunity to evaluate, am I moving in the direction of my heart's desires and my highest good and the good of all beings? And am I in service and am I in joy? Um, am I in pleasure? And, you know, all of those things are possible because of this practice. Now, that's sort of the good part. Of course, there's the cleanup part that we do as well at Full Living because, 
you know, the good part you get to access if your hormones are balanced. But what if you're missing your period or you have PCOS like I used to have or you have fibroids, endometriosis, or you have, you're dealing with, you know, infertility or you're in perimenopause, you know, which starts at 35, just FYI. <laughs> um, you know, what if all that's happening and, you're, and your hormones are in flux or you're dealing with a lot of stress and you're finding yourself anxious and you know, what do you do? How do you get out of that? How do you get out of hormonal chaos back into hormonal flow? Well, those are the first three steps of the protocol that we teach, which, you know, that's all functional endocrinology and using um, nutrition in a sequential cumulative way to um, recalibrate endocrine function so that it can do what it's meant to do, which is to put you back in this sort of flow state from the hormonal standpoint so you can get into the embodied um, and in nature that, that your hormones provide for you. And with this new paradigm of orienting to life as a woman versus that more linear kind of just go, go, go all the time, mm. what we start to come into the realm of the heroine's journey. And when mm. you hear that phrase, the, the heroine's journey, what what does that elicit for you? I think for me, it's about a reclamation of of a culture, of history, of of a lineage, of just adding that in, of having that be the center point. You know, I mean, it's a really odd thing that we grow up and we only really hear history and no history, mm. you know, it's a really odd thing. And how are we to anchor ourselves in that conversation as women exclusively, right? It's a little it's like you're always an outsider in the, in the patriarchal conversation. So I think for me, the heroine's journey has been about really owning, um, owning all the, the beautiful um, pieces of our story. Um, and also, it's also about healing what happens inside of you emotionally when you've grown up in a culture like that. You know, the, the negative self-talk and the inner critical nature, um, the, 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 the default to having a negative orientation to oneself because one finds oneself in a female form in a masculine culture, right? Even though that might not be something you're consciously connecting, that there is that hook, I think is, is a big part of the heroine's journey of, of really finding a new center point for yourself that is not continuously in comparison or in competition with that culture that is exclusively masculine, but really just being in your own culture. Mm. And what are some ways daily that you stay immersed in your own culture and connected to your center? How, how do you connect with your inner life? Well, for me, the my my practice is is all about the body. So, for example, great example. Yesterday, 
just yesterday. (laughs) (laughs) I had, you know, it's always happening. Um, I had just come off of um, a couple of nights of, you know, really, I mean, how can you sleep for an hour and Mm. then be woken up and then sleep again? It's like, it's, it's like, torture (laughs) you know I I I have so much compassion for moms who have done this several times in a row I'm only on child number one and you know and it's um it's intense it's a very intense thing not getting a lot of sleep and uh and though I do all the things from a functional standpoint to manage that and make that better it still can be in consecutive days in a row kind of a exhausting and demoralizing experience so I woke up on yesterday just, I mean, I just felt like I had gotten beaten up. I really felt physically, like, unwell. I was, like, stumbling mm. out of bed, stumbling stumbling around in the morning and to make her breakfast, and oh, my God, and it's just like a whole, the whole situation. <laughs> and, and, you know, I got ready to sit down for work. Um, I have someone who comes in and watches the baby, plays with her during the day a little bit so I can get some work done. So I sat down. I have lots of things that I'm, I'm working on that I love and I'm so excited about that are the, the expression of my creative self. And sometimes that looks like a big to-do list, you know. Um, so I sat down and I had put way too much on my plate yesterday, of course. As my default. <laughs> and I sat, I literally sat in front of my computer for an hour. I couldn't focus on an email, couldn't, couldn't write the article I needed to write, could not function. Just like the, uh, the lights were on, but there was nobody in there turning the little hamster wheel inside mm-hmm. my brain. <laughs> mm-hmm. not, <laughs> not happening. And I proceeded to begin the old habit of using negative motivators to try to get me out of it, right? Like, okay, you know, what's wrong with you? Like, get it together, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, just negative self-talk. And my body was like, oh, it was such a beautiful sunny day. It was like a perfect sunny day. And my body was like, oh, can we just go outside for a walk? Let's get the baby in a stroller. Like, let's go. Like, she was like, she was like tingling with excitement to go do this. And I was like, no, no, no. (laughs) We have to stay in and do our homework. I mean, it was like this epic battle between my, my creature self and my, you know, my mental self. And, uh, And ultimately, thankfully, because this is my practice, I just, my ego gave up and was like, fine, fine lady, let's go for a walk, you know, (laughs) and, you know, just put, put on my shoes, got the baby ready to go, went outside and just walked through the park, Central Park, where I live near, and um, really enjoyed that walk, breathed deeply, the baby napped. And just you know, the park can be a glorious, glorious when that when the weather's good. Mm-hmm. And came home, did the lunch routine, and then put the baby down for a nap. And I was like, I'm going to take a nap too. And I napped, and woke up to nurse the baby, and laid in bed for another hour, and just didn't do anything yesterday. And then when I got, I, I got up around 4:30 from this nap. 
And I was like, oh, you know, I feel like sending this email. And I sent a few emails, and that was it. And it was just a great way to come back to what serves me in the highest. Mm. This morning I woke up fully rested. Of course, the baby rested better last night. I've got to imagine because she's picking up on my energy, and I was more rested yesterday during the day. Yes. Um, and this morning I woke up full of energy, wrote the article that was supposed to be written yesterday in 20 minutes, did a ton of work, feel completely on top of my game with the things I wanted to accomplish yesterday, despite what my mind was telling me, oh, you're never going to get this done if you go outside and have fun. (laughs) And, you know, just letting my body lead always leads me in the best leaves me and leads me to the best solution and leaves me in the best position. Um, and even though I still sometimes, especially in sleep deprivation brain, struggle to remember that, that is the practice. It's always a practice. Let my body lead. She knows better than I know. Um, and that's really for me to practice. And, and that's one example, of course. The other example is the continuous self-care rituals that I do surrounding my cycle, which... You know, I go into great detail in Chapter 5 of Woman Code, just how do I map that all out week over week. So I'm always on top of being in dynamic relationship with my body so that she can communicate with me and lead me in the right direction. It's mm. a beautiful example. Very practical, too. We I think we can all relate to that. Uh, you know, and that was a really important piece for me, Sarah, that, you know, as I was encountering the feminine and, uh, the the goddess lineage and all of this sort of more esoteric um, conversation around the feminine, I really needed it to be practical for me. Um, and I find that as much as I love that, and I find that so uplifting, that I need to know how to how to use it in these situations as a tool. To Just in daily to life. Yeah, yeah, you know because. Because I'm an ordinary person living yeah. in ordinary life, just like all of us, right? Yeah. I, I don't sprout wings at night and, you know, turn, move into the angelic realms. Although some people say that we all do. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, I'm just talking about what I what I know right now. And what I know right now is I'm, I'm a mom, a new mom. I'm the CEO of a company. And I'm a person who um, has a very delicate constitution when it comes to her health. So I have to navigate all these things. And I find that using this practice of staying in body is an extremely powerful tool to allow me to um, navigate those three elements of my life with a lot of grace. And as you're moving forward now, a new mother and running this, this global business, what feels like your growing edge, like the next frontier of your heroine's journey Hmm. I I am actively right now in a phase of rebirth because uh, becoming a mother is a metamorphosis uh, beyond uh, anything I've experienced. <laughs> um, you you are rewired during the pregnancy. And then in this first nine months postpartum, you're... You, if you allow it, which I think is optimal, if you allow it, it totally um, 
burns off that which is superfluous and no longer serves you in your life um, because of the structure that the child requires. And in that crucible, um, you have an opportunity to look at your life and see what you want to create next. So I'm in a, an active rebirthing state of what I'd like the next chapter of my life to be. And um, for me right now, that looks a lot like um, where do I want to be living? Um, what would I like my home to feel like? And, and a lot around um, community, you know, being spending more time in community. I think uh, in my late 20s and, and early 30s, you know, there's sort of this, um, in the Ayurvedic tradition, we it's like the, the height of the pitta time, the fiery building, mm-hmm. um, you know, not deeply rooted to a home or a community kind of time. And I'm coming out of that time and I'm really, I feel the call for, um, yeah, something is emerging and I, I'm yet to, yet to create it, but I'm, I'm in the envisioning state. So that's an exciting thing. So mm-hmm. I, I have, I'm in the unknown, I'm in the uh, fertile void around this next chapter. And it's a very uncomfortable place, as it is for anyone, of not knowing but yearning for change and also having some trepidation about leaving behind um, a vision of what my life used to be like. Um, but knowing that change has always been a beautiful gift. So uh, I'm here again. I'm here again, stepping into the unknown, feeling the call from my body and my heart for this next piece of the journey, having no idea what to do or how it's going to go, um, but trusting the process. Mm, thank you so much, Elisa. I look forward to seeing and experiencing what you create next this next season of your life. And thank you for taking the time to talk with us today and to share your story, to share your wisdom, especially because I know you have a lot happening in your life. (laughs) Well, it's my pleasure. And I think, you know, this conversation for women is just so important. And I'm so, so excited about the book of She and excited that, that we're just chatting about all of this for women together. Mm. Thank you so much. If you're ready to go deeper into your heroine's journey, I invite you to explore my new book, The Book of She. You can visit thebookofshe.com to register your receipt for this order before October 30th. And when you do, you'll receive an invitation to join me and our community in a free online women's yoga and meditation class, as well as a live Q&A. Until next time, I'm sending you my heartfelt support. Thank you so much for being part of our sisterhood.